We'll begin the Gemara today on the bottom of Daf Tezayin Amit Beis, two lines from the bottom. This continues the sugya about a person which is a menuda, excommunicated, and different uh, details and halachas about this. From the town or from the village of Akkoi. In the name of Rabbi Yaakov Baracheh, in the name of Rabbi Simloi. Others say that the following statement was said in Omer Abtanchum, Omer Avhuna. Rabtanchum said it in the name of Ravuna. Yet a third version of who said this, Omer Avhuna Luchadei. Ravuna himself is the one that said this. Well, it's, well, it's the different, different, uh, could be they all did, but there's different versions of who said it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who it, yeah. Okay. A Talmud, that somebody offended him in his end. He's a, talking about a Talmud Chachim that's learning and someone offended him. And he was menad to someone for because of his honor. The Nidui that he placed someone in is effective. Tanya, because we had this in the Braisa, we learned before, Menudel Rav, a person that the Rav, the teacher, put him into a Nidui, Menudel Talmud. So the, the Talmidim have to treat him with that Nidui as well. Menudel Talmud, if it's only the student that placed him in this Nidui, ain't a Menudel Rav. So then the Rav does not have to treat him with, in this way with this Nidui. So the Gemara says, what do we see from here? Rav, who then Menudel. The teacher, so he does not have to treat him in this way with the Nidui. But everybody else, menuda. This uh, person is going to be excommunicated through this student that placed him in the Nidui. So what is this Braisa talking about? Why did this Talmud place this individual into a Nidui? If the reason is because this person did something against heaven, meaning he did an Aveda and something that he deserves to be in Nidui, not because he offended this Talmud personally because of his own honor, so for that, what's the Chiddush There's no wisdom, there's no, there's, no, there's no counsel, there's nothing you can do against the Ebesher, which means, yeah, if this person did something against Shemayim, it's obvious that anybody, including the Talmud, should be able to put him into a Nidui. Elolav, and Elamai, so what does it mean over here? That this Talmud is placing this individual into a Nidui because of his own honor. And that's a Chiddush. And therefore only the Talmud and other people have to treat him in this way with this Nidui, but not the teacher. The teacher doesn't because he didn't do anything against Mili Dishmaya, against the Eibishter. Um, Rav Yasef, similar thing Rav Yasef said, a Talmud Chacham, he could pass in a halacha for himself. This is regarding monetary, monetary manners. This is a whole sugya in Baba Kama, whether a person is allowed to take matters into his own hands and pass in a halacha regarding monetary matters if he knows he's right. If it's something that is clear to him, he has no doubts about, he knows he's right, so he does not have to go to a bezdin, he can pass in the halacha for himself. So here this is a long story in the Gemara. Let's see. So there was this Talmud Chacham, that there was rumors, negative rumors about him, things that he did that were uh, Avedis. So what happened? Omer Av Yehuda. So Rav Yehuda said about this Talmud Chacham as follows. Hey Chilavid, what should we do with this Talmud Chacham? L'shante, should we put him into a Nidoy, into excommunication? Tzrichele Rabbanon. The Rabbanon need him. In other words, he's a, he's a, he was a teacher and the Rabbanon were learning from him. So they didn't want to place him in a Nidoy. But on the other hand, we should just ignore this and not put him into a shamta. It's going to be a chil Hashem. That here there's rumors, and it's, it's, in other words, it was, it was uh, rumors with a 
with a, with a not stam, a rumor, but it was real things that seemingly this person did, so we should just ignore it. It's going to be a chil Hashem. So he said to Rabbi Babachone, Midi Did you hear about such a situation? What should be done? So Rabbi Babachone told him, This is what Rabbi Yechenen said. What is the meaning of the Pasuk that it says? The lips of a Kayin will guard the wisdom and the knowledge of a Tayri of actually Piyu. And then you learn Tayri from him. And the Pasuk concludes, Ki Malach Hashem's voice, that, uh, that he's like a Malach Hashem. So what do we learn from this Pasuk? Im Hashem, if the teacher that you're learning from is similar to a Malach Hashem, Yuvaksha Tayri Mipiv. So then you should seek to learn Taita from his mouth. Vimlav, but if he's not similar to Malach Hashem, Al don't learn Taita from him. So what Rabbi Yechen was basically saying is, true, this person is a big Talmud Chachem, and there are many that are learning Taita from him, but if we have all these terrible rumors about him, so then who cares about his knowledge? If he doesn't have the Yirah Shemayim and he's not Daimul Malach Hashem, you should not learn Taita from him, and therefore you can place him into, into Nidui. So what happened? Shamte Rav Yehuda. Rav Yehuda placed this Tambat uh, Chachim into a, into a Shamta. This Gemara, by the way, here, of Daibul and Malach Hashem's voice, the Rebbe brought this Gemara when the Rebbe spoke about uh, the Indian of uh, appointing a Mashpia. And the Rebbe said, many people say that uh, they don't know who to appoint, what's the qualification to appoint someone as a Mashpia. The Rebbe quoted this Gemara. The Rebbe said, you appoint someone, don't look at the knowledge he has, and so on, or how smart he is, you have to also primarily look at this point of Daimel Amalach Hashem. And what does Daimel Amalach Hashem mean? As you see in the context of this Gemara, it doesn't necessarily mean literally Amalach Hashem. But it, just like over here, you see this Talmud Chachim, he was a great Talmud Chachim, but there were bad rumors about him. So for, for such a person, you should not appoint upon yourself to take, to, to accept from him and to learn from him. Okay, so Rabbi Yehuda put him into a Shamta. What happened? L'saif ichlish Rabbi Yehuda. Now what happened is, Rav Yehuda became sick, right, which seemingly was a result of what he did to this Talmud Chachem. Also, Rabbanon the Rabbanon came to visit him when he was not well. And this Talmud Chachem that he placed into Ashamta came to visit Rav Yehuda as well amongst them. When Rav Yehuda saw that individual, he laughed or he smiled. Amalei, so this, this Talmud Chacham tells Rav Yehudah, It's not enough that you place this individual, referring to himself, into a shamta, When I come to visit you, you're laughing at me. Amalei, so Rav Yehudah said, I'm not laughing at you. Or rather, what I'm laughing about is, When I pass away and I go to the world, all the world, I'm very, very happy about this. That even a person like you, I did not, I did not try to flatter you. And if you deserved to be in a shamta, I did what had to be done. That's what I'm laughing about. What ended up happening? Rav Yudah actually passed away. So now, also Lebe Medrashe, this Talmud Chachem that was now in this Shamta through Rabbi Yehuda came into the Bismedrish and Amalohu, he said to the, the people in the Bismedrish, Sharuli, take away this uh, Shamta that I'm in. Amrile Rabbanon, so the Rabbanon said to him, Gavre de Choshev, such a great, prominent person, Rav Yehuda, so, and he placed you into this Shamta, Leke Hoche de Lishriloch, there's nobody here that's going to permit it for you, to, uh, to remove it from you. Ella, who could you go to? Zilagabed Rabbi Yudanasiya. Go to Rabbi Yudanasi. 
the lishri loch, and he might uh, remove it for you. So he went to Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah. So Rabbi Yehuda Nesiyah also did not want to attend to this matter. So he told Rabbi Ami, Poik, I am bedine. Go and uh, investigate the matter. See what, what the situation with this person is. Does he deserve to be taken out of the Shamta? If he deserves, if it's required for this to be permitted, so then permit it for him, take him out of the Shamta. Rabami did investigate the matter in his situation and saw the Mishrile. And he actually came to the conclusion he was about to go ahead and take him out of the Khairim. What happened then? All of a sudden, Omad Rabshmur Banachmeni appeared, then he stood up on his feet, and he said as follows. If when there was once an incident of the maid in the house of Rabbi that she placed someone into a shamta, and as the Gemara will bring the story soon, Chachamim did not treat her shamta lightly. Three years, they allowed that individual to be in Tashamta for three years. Yehuda Chavereinu. So Rav Yehuda, our friend that placed this in Talmud Chacham into Hashamta, Allah has come of a kama. Most definitely we shouldn't treat it lightly and you shouldn't just remove it like this. So when Rav heard this comment of Rav Shmuel ben Achmeni, he said, What happened over here? Look what's in front of us here. That this older Amaira, which was Rab Shmuel ben Achmeni, all of a sudden appeared there in the Bismedrish. Many years he hasn't come. So what this tells us, this Ashkach protest, that all of a sudden he appears and he's coming here and he's telling us what to do. So this shows us that that he's not, this, this Tamad Chachem is not required to remove his Shamta. We should leave it in its place. So, they did not remove the Shamta from him. Nafak, so this Talmud Chacham left the Bismedrish. And he was crying as he was leaving the Bismedrish. A bee came along with Tarke Amse. And it bit him on the Aver of the Bris. So, as the uh, Mepharshim point out, that the reason is because the bad rumors about him was regarding the fact that he was having illicit relationships. So therefore his punishment was also the, this, that v'shachiv, that, that this bee bit him, and then he passed away. So now what happened after he passed away, while he was still in Ashamta, Ailul and the Chasidi, they wanted to bring him into the cave of burial where the pious people were buried there. V'loikiblu, they did not accept him over there. In other words, apparently this, he was a Talmud Chacham and he was a big teacher of Taira, they wanted to bury him there, but he wasn't accepted. Because uh, Rashi and Taisus both say what happened was a snake came in that area and they couldn't, they couldn't bury him there. They brought him to the cave where the judges, the Dayanim, uh, that are buried there. And the Kiblu, over there he was accepted and they were able to bury him there. My time is, Dr. Gemara, what's the reason for this? That he was accepted over there in the burial place of the Dayanim, the Ovid Karabiloi. Because he did like Rabbi Loi. Even if he sinned, but he did like Rabbi Loi. The Tanya, Rabbi Loi, Rabbi Loi said, If a person sees, That is, Yitzhahara is very strong, and he can't overcome it. So, He should go to a place where people don't recognize him. He should dress himself with black. Wrap yourself in black. And then, And there, 
do what your heart desires. But don't give in to your taivas in the Yetzirah, where you are in your city with the people you know there in public, that the Abish's name will be desecrated. Go to a faraway place and there you'll sin. So apparently this is what this Talmud Chacham did. But Ashi here, if you look, brings from Rav Hai Goin, a second pshat, and Rashi says that when it says here in the Gemara this expression, it's not like telling you, go and do what you want. What it's saying is that this is actually an Eitzah. If you go and you dress yourself in black and you go far away, so eventually, this, 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 he says, I guarantee you that when you get to that point, you'll think it over again and you won't do the Aveda. Yeah. Now the Gemara brings the story of the Shifcha of Rebbe. What's the, we mentioned before that she placed someone in a shamta and they left it in place for three years. What's that story? The maid of the house of Rebbe, she saw an individual that he was hitting his older son. So she said to him, she said, This person that's hitting his older son should be placed into a shamta. Because he's putting a stumbling block in front of his son, that at a certain age you hit your son, you're causing him to not listen to you and maybe even hit you back. Do not place a stumbling block in front of a person that's blind. This refers to a person that hits his son, that it's an older, older age, you're not allowed to hit him. But the ages, there's a Gemara in Kedushin that speaks about whether the age is 18 or 21, there's different um, opinions over there about this. Rishlokish was guarding a certain orchard. An individual came along and took figs and was eating figs from this orchard. Rishlokish was screaming at him, that what are you doing? Why are you taking any figs over here? He didn't pay attention to Rishlokish. So Omer Rishlokish said, I place you, let this person be in a in, in shamta. Amale, so this person is, uh, turns back to Rishlokish and says, Adarab, on the contrary, this person, referring to Rishlokish, you should be in a Shamta for placing me in a Shamta. And he said as follows, is Yes, I am. maybe I took money and I owe money you, to you, but But do I deserve to be placed in a, in a Nidui? Why did you put me in a Nidui? So Taisus over here says, that this person is saying that why don't you call me to Bezdin? If you have a tiny to me that I owe you money, you should have called me to the Bezdin. And I think it was something like that. Another Pshat Taisis brings, Rabbi Natam said, that in those time periods, it was a normal thing that you would take the fruits before paying, and then later you would come back and pay for it. So he wasn't even doing it necessarily with Derek Neve. It was a normal thing. So therefore he was screaming at Ishlakish, why are you putting me in a, in a Shamta? So what happened? Also, Medrasha. So Rishlokish came to the Bismedrash and, and said over the story, and they told him that his nidui on you is a nidui. He was right that he put you into a nidui. When you placed him into a nidui, that was incorrect. You had no reason to go take such extreme measures to place this individual that took the figs and ate it into a nidui. It's not a nidui. Who's Yasser? Yeah. No, Shalai means that person that put Rishlokish into Nidui, Das is a good Nidui, and what you put him is not. So now. On what basis is his Nidui? The other person put him into him because if you put. If you put huh? He put him into a Nidui. If you go, if you go and you put someone in Nidui, yeah, so that's a basis, to put you into a Nidui. If it's, if it's inappropriately. Yeah, yeah okay. but it has to be, it has to be a, okay. a basis. 
What's, what's the Avera over there? That's the Avera, that you go and you put another Yid in a Nidu that he doesn't deserve it. Okay. So then you deserve to be in a Nidu, that's what they told him. Okay. So they told the Shlokish, so, so what is your Takana, how do you fix this matter? Go to this person, and ask him that he should go and take you out of your Nidu. So Shlokish said, I don't even know who this person is. He's a Stama person came by, I don't know, I can't find him. So he told go to the Nasi Lishlach. He'll, he'll take off your, your Nidui. The Tanya will learn If you were placed into a Nidui, but you don't know who is the one that did it. So now you can't just go to anybody to remove it, but You go to the Nasi and he removes your Nidui from you. In Usha they instituted. Av Bezen and av bezdin that went sour, that uh, that sinned. Ein menadenoisa. You don't place him in a nidui. Ella, what you do is something similar, something that's uh, more gentle. Aimelo, you tell him hachpeid v'shav v'beischa. Hachpeid. What does the word hachpeid mean? So Rashi says either it means that uh, like a person that has a headache and a person that's not well and he stays home, sit in your house. Another pshat Rashi says hachpeid means that uh, for your honor, that uh, for your honor it is that you should sit in your house. But if after this, when you tell him to sort of stay home, he still sins again, then then you have to place him into a nidoy because there's a chil of this avbezin that's sinning. What Ravuna said argues on what Rishlakish said. Because Rishlakish said, that sinned. So even though you have to deal with him appropriately and put him in his place and so on, but nevertheless, but whatever you do with him should not be done with a nidui publicly. Shenemar, because the Pasik says, and you stumbled today. And Navi of your nation also stumbled, Laila. It says Laila on the Pasik, meaning at night. What does this mean at night? Kisahu. He says, huh? Okay, Laila, at night. Kisahu, Kelaila. You should cover the matter like the night. So you do have to deal with him and so on, but it should be discreet that the public doesn't have to know what was done because it's, it's a Chil Hashem, this itself, that you have to reprimand a person that's on such a level. When there was a situation where Talmud Chacham was required to put him into a Shamta, so he would first actually put himself into a Shamta, and then he would put this Talmud Chacham into a Shamta. Rashi here says that this was out of uh, an honor for this Talmud Chachim, that uh, he's not gonna, I'm not going to put you into a Shamta unless I myself will be in Shamta. That's Rashi's Pshat. Taisvi says that it's actually an expression of Tsar, that when you have to put a Talmud Chachim into a Shamta, it's a very painful thing. So therefore to express a Tsar, he would place himself into a Shamta. Another Pshat, Taisvi says, it's a way for you to remember that this Shamta that you placed on this Talmud Chachim should be eventually removed. If you put yourself into a shamta, you remember that this other Talmud Chacham is also into a shamta, and you have to remove it. Gemara continues now regarding Marzutra Chasidah's uh, conduct there. Now what? Now what? Okay, okay, similar thing maybe. Good. So the Gemara kiyava ayel beshpize, and then when when Marzutra Chasidah would come back to his lodgings, then shari le lenafshei. So he would remove the shamta that he placed on himself. And 
And then he would remove the shamta that he placed on this Talmud Chachem. Amar Rav Gidl, Amar Rav, Rav Gidl said in the name of Rav, Talmud Chachem, Menada La'atzmai, or Talmud Chachem is able to place himself into a Nidui if he finds it necessary. And then when he places himself into this Nidui, he could also uh, uh, absolve it on his own. Amar Rav Papa, Rav Papa said, Taisi li, that I deserve reward for this, the loy shamiti tzorbe merabanan lo'ilam. I never placed any Talmud Chachem into a Shamta. Ella rather, when there was a situation that a Talmud Chachem deserved to be placed in a Shamta, what did he do? He did what it says in Marava, in Eretz Yisrael. They took account, in other words, they gathered and the person that deserved to be reprimanded, a Talmud Chachem, so they would rather give him lashes, that he would give him lashes, but they did not together go ahead and put this person into a shamta, which is giving someone lashes is actually a lighter punishment than placing a person into a shamta. Now this expression that we keep on using here, which is shamta, what is actually the source of this word shamta? The original word is nidui, nido. So, so what, what's the word shamta mean? Amarav sham misa. That over there is death. A person that's placed in the shamta is it's a certain uh, death. Shmuel Amar Shmuel said, "Shmama Yeh, he'll be desolate." And the Mahanyebe, this Shamta is is going to affect him. Kiticha betanura, like that when you uh, smear the the oven with that finishing oil that you put on it, and it remains in the oven forever, and it doesn't, you can't remove it from the oven. It remains there forever. So so too, this Shamta you place a person is effective on him that it remains forever. And what he says that when you place a person into a shamta, the effect of it is on the person forever, argues on what Ishlakish said. Because Ishlakish says, Just like a shamta you place a person in, it enters into the person and it affects all 248 limbs of his body. So too, when a person is removed of this and it leaves from him, it leaves from all of his 248 limbs. And the Gemara brings a source for this. When it enters into the person, the city will be cheirem. What does the word cheirem mean? Which is this concept of excommunicated. Cheirem is begematria, masayim varba mishmoinav. The word cheirem is the gematria of the 248 limbs of a person's body. That's when the person enters into this cheirem, it affects the entire body. However, when a person leaves this cheirem, so then it leaves completely the chseiv b'roiges, and the, but then Rachim Tisker, you are in a time of anger, but then Rachim Tisker, the mercy is remembered, and Rachim again is Begematria Hachi Havot. It's the same Gematria of 248, that the Rachmanis then takes out this Chayrem from all 248 limbs of the body. So, you could throw this Shamta also, Agnufse the Kalbe, on the tail of a dog, and the the day of the. And then this Shamta will have its effect on, even, on a, even on a dog as well. And the brings an incident that happened. There was this dog that used to eat the shoes of the Rabbanon. They didn't know who was doing this. They didn't know how to, what, how to deal with this. They, they said, whoever is doing this should be in a Shamta. What happened? A fire uh, caught on to the tail of this dog. And it consumed, it burnt up this dog. So you see how powerful a Shamta is. There was this very strong person or this bully. He was giving pain to this Talmud Chachem. 
So they came to Rav Yosef to ask him, how do you deal with this person? Amalei Rav Yosef says, go place him in a shamta. Amalei, so this Talmud Chacham said to Rav Yosef, I'm afraid of him. Amalei, so he said to him, Shkili psiche alei, that you should uh, write this shamta on a document. You don't have to go and approach him and tell him that you are in a shamta. Just write it on a document. So he said, Kol the Mustafinim, and even more so I'm afraid of him. If this document gets out there, so this guy is going to say, oh, you're, you're writing these, these shamtas on me, this pashkevillin on me. Amalei, so he told him, Shaklei achsei b'chveide. Ah, be go take this uh, document that you'll write the bekada that is. Go take this document that you'll write this excommunication on him and put it into a flask or into a jar. And vaachsi be kivri and go and throw it in the base akvaris. So like this, you'll know that nobody will find it. And ukri be alfi shipuri and you should uh, you should blow. A thousand blasts of the shofar, barbon yaimin, within in forty days, and that like this, the effect of your shamta on this person will, will take effect, and this person won't know about it, but it'll affect him. Azalavadachi. So this Talmud Chacham went and did this pokakada, and then this uh, jar uh, burst umis, and this individual that was bothering him died. No, so the Gemara says, uh, again, the way you read it is, Oh, Miss Alma, this uh, bully, this strong person died. Talk to Gemara, my Shipuri. What's the Lashon that we say when you blow a Shaifer and you blow a Tkiah, so we call it Shipuri, Shenifroen Mimenu, that it causes uh, to punish those that have to be punished with this blast of the Shaifer. My Tavre, what's the Lashon of Tavre, which is the translation of the word Shvarim, <laughs> when you blow the Shvarim of a Shaifer? Om Rav Yitzchak, Rav Tavri Botirami, that is breaks the homes of the of the hoary people, of the people that are Baligaiva. That in any place where the Chachamim gazed with their eyes, because they were bothered about something, they gazed with a sharp eye, so then they're brought about in that place, either death or poverty. Okay, this is the conclusion of this uh, section of the Sugya about the Menuda. Now the Gemara goes back to what we said in the Mishnah, B'nigeya tu a haircut in Chalamayet. So what did it say in the Mishnah? V'anazav ha-metzayre mitumasil etarasa, yad anazav ha-metzayre. So they were not able to take a haircut before Yom Tif, and then they became tohar now, and so therefore in Chalamayet they're allowed to take a haircut. So Gemara asks about this, B'ayiminei, the question was asked, Rabbi Yirmi Yimir Abzeir, Rabbi Yirmi asked Rabbi Zeir the question, B'shaloi ha-yalem p'nai, is the Pshara in the Mishnah that they, they became Tahir on Chalamayid itself, so they had no time before Yom Tif to take a haircut. Is that the meaning here? Even if they did have time before Yom Tif, they became Mutter, they became Tahir before Yom Tif, but they did not take that opportunity to take a haircut. Nevertheless, they're allowed to take the haircut on Chalamayid. So he answered him, Tanina, we learned about this, Befeidish and Abraisa. It says, All of those that it says in the Mishnah that are allowed to take a haircut in Chalamayid, which when they did not have an opportunity to take that haircut before Yom Tov. If they had the time to take the haircut before Yom Tov, then they're not allowed before, on Yom Tov itself. However, Nazir Umitzaida, when it comes to a Nazir and a Mitzaida, even though they had the opportunity to take the haircut before Yom Tif, Mood taught him, and they didn't, they're still allowed to take that haircut on Chalamayid. Why? 
because we don't want them to wait until they bring their karbanis. They can't bring the karbanis for their tara on Mitzayir on the eighth day and a Nazir as well until they cut their hair. So therefore, if you're going to push off cutting the hair to after Chalamayid, you're going to have to wait with their karbanis. So therefore, we want them to be able to bring the karbanis right then when they, when they could, are able on Chalamayid so they can, bring it, they, they can take a haircut then. We learned that there's additional people that could take a haircut on Chalamayid, which was not mentioned in our Mishnah. They're allowed to take a haircut on Chalamayid. So here the Gemara will explain what is the situation of a Kayin and what's the situation of a Oval and why the Tan of our Mishnah did not mention. Zak the Gemara, hi Oval Echidami, the Oval that mentioned this mentioned over here in this Braise, what are we talking about? Ilayme, if you're going to say the situation is. So before I read the Gemara inside, let me just say the following that by Avelos, as we'll see later in the Gemara, part of the Hemshech of the Mesechta is about Avelos. So you have the two time periods. You have the time period of Shiva. The Avelis of Shiva, and then you have the time period of Avelis of Shleishim, of the 30 days. Which is, in both of these time periods, you're really still not allowed to take a haircut. Okay, so here, what are we talking about? We're talking about an oval. The eighth day from when his relative passed away was an Ed of Yom Tif. Okay, so which means he already passed Shiva, and now he's already in the first day of the Shleishim. If so, he should have taken a haircut on Erev Yantif. What's the reason he takes a haircut on Erev Yantif? So Rashi explains, once Yantif comes in the middle of the Shleishim, the Yantif interrupts the Shleishim, and therefore it removes the whole Allah of the Shleishim. Shleishim doesn't apply anymore. Just that, that one day, the eighth day, you already fulfilled the Allah of the Shleishim, and once Yantif is there, you don't continue the Allahs of the Shleishim after the Yantif. It removes the whole Allah of the Shleishim. So therefore the Gemara is saying, he already did the seven, day, seven days of Shiva, and now it's out of Yantif, it's the eighth day, and that eighth day is already fulfilling the day of the Shleishim, and then he can take a haircut, look covered Yantif. So why didn't he take a haircut before? So why is this Aval allowed to take a haircut on Chalamayit? Ela the Gemara says, rather maybe what this Braise is speaking about is Shachal Shmini Shaloi Liyas Peshabis Eravaregal. The eighth day fell out to be on a Shabbos, which was Erev Yomtif. So therefore, he can't take the haircut because it's Shabbos. And he can't take the haircut the day before because it's the seventh day of his Avelus. So the Gemara asks him this, no, but the MS is that he still could take a haircut on the seventh day of his Avelis. Why? He should have still taken a haircut on Erev Shabbos, which is the seventh day of his Avelis. Why? We pass in like Abishol, which is that Abishol's opinion is that on the seventh day, if you have the Shiva right before Yom Tif, so he says the seventh day you complete your Shiva and, and part of the day, and then that day as well is already considered to be the beginning of the Shleishim. And since Yantav is coming, it cuts off the whole Shleishim, it absolves the whole Shleishim. And therefore you could take a haircut even on the seventh day. So even if the eighth day was, was on a Shabbos, an of Yantav, and you could only take a haircut on the seventh day, you should, you could take a haircut on the seventh day. And the Gemara adds even more, Umaydim, Chachamim, Labashal, even though the Chachamim usually disagree with Labashal, and Chachamim say that only on the eighth day, then it absolves the Shleishim, right? not on the seventh day, because uh, according to the Chachamim, when does Yomtiv absolve the Shleishim? Only if you began the Shleishim before Yomtiv. If, if the Shiva came into Yomtiv, and then your Shleishim is starting after Yomtiv, it does not absolve the Shleishim. But the Chachamim will agree, B'Shachal Shmini Shiloi, Li is that if the eighth day 
falls out to be on a Shabbos on Erev Yantiv, Shemuter Legaleach Be'erev Shabbos. And in such a case, the Chachamim agree that you could take a haircut on Erev Shabbos. So therefore, our question still remains, which Oval are we talking about that couldn't take a haircut before, that he's allowed to take a haircut on Chalamayit? So the Gemara says, so we go a day earlier. Like the case over here is, Shachal Shvi Shaloi, the seventh day of his Avelis, fell out, Leois B'Shabbos, fell out on Shabbos, which is Erev Aregel, which is Erev Yomtev. <coughs> That's the case that the Tana of this Braisa is talking about. And now here the Gemara explains why the Tana of this Braisa says that he could take a haircut on Chalamayit, and why the Tana of Amishnah does not count this and says that he could not take a haircut on Chalamayit. It's like the Gemara, Tana Birra Sovar, the Tana of the Braisa holds, Sovar Lo Ka Bishol, he holds the Ka Bishol. The Oma, what does Abishol say? regarding this case. Miktas hayoyim kekuloi. That when it comes to Avelos, part of the day of your Avelos is like the full day. And therefore, v'yoyim shvi, that seventh day, which is on Shabbos, oyloloi lekan ulekan. It's considered to be the completion of Yeshiva, and it's also considered to be the beginning of the Shloishim. And therefore, this is before, before Yantiv yet. And because it's before Yantiv, so therefore it's like you already started your Shloishim, and now Yantiv comes and absolves the continuation of the Shloishim. So you can take a haircut on Chalamayit. This is a situation where the person couldn't take a haircut before Yontif because he was in Avelos. And then there was Shabbos. And now his, his Shloishim is absolved. So he could take the haircut on Chalamayit. That's the Tana of the Braise. Tana didan The Tana of our Mishnah though, that does not count this case, he holds like the Rabbanon. The Omri and the Rabbanon say, <coughs> We do not say that on the seventh day itself, that you could say that this is the last day of Shiva and the first day of the Shloishim. You don't divide the day. You don't say part of the day goes for this and part of the day goes for that. And therefore, Vakati Leishalim Avelus to Shiva. So the Avelus of Shiva did not end until Yontif began. And therefore, he never started his Shloishim yet. So since he's still going to be starting his Shloishim, he's still not allowed to take a haircut. After Yontif, he's still going to be Shloishim and he has to wait until after Shloishim to take the haircut. So therefore, he can't take a haircut in Chalamayir either. That's why the Tanah of Mishnah does not mention this case of a novel. Now the Gemara explains... According to the Rabbana, no. After Yomtiv, he's going to have to continue no, the no, Shloishim. Abishol. Yeah. Abishol holds the Shloishim is uprooted, yes. So. According to Abishol, the Shloishim is uprooted. So the Gemara Vaita, now the case of the Kayin. Hi Kayin, hechidami. When it's said over here that the Kayin is allowed to take a haircut on Chalamayid, what are we speaking about? So the halacha usually by a Kayin, we had this before, in the, in the week that a Kayin is in the Mishmar, that he serves in the base of Mikdash, he's not supposed to take <coughs> a haircut, right? So now what happened over here? Are we speaking about a Kayin that his Mishmar, his week of working in the base of Mikdash, finishes on Erev Yantav, meaning that basically Erev Yantav was Shabbos, and that was the last day. So therefore, you're going to say he couldn't take a haircut on Shabbos, which was Erev Yantav, and therefore we allow him to take the haircut on Chalamayit. But that can't be, because he still should have taken the haircut on Friday, you should have taken the haircut a day before. Why is this? So, uh, on, uh, he should have taken the haircut on Thursday, right? If you remember, we are. Uh, it's too much, Carl. No, we, if you remember, we had before, it says that even though Akayan is not supposed to take the haircut on uh, any of the days of the Mishmar, but uh, Thursday. from Thursday already, he's able to take a haircut, Lekovet Shabbos. So, he could have taken a haircut before. So the Gemara continues and says, what, What's the case over here? The Shalim Mishmar Beregel. That his Mishmar, his time of working, finishes on the Yontiv itself. Meaning, the first day of Yontiv is Thursday. 
Already the first day is Thursday, and then Friday, Shabbos is already, Shabbos is the first day of Chalamayit. So now the question is, in such a case, is he able to take a haircut in Chalamayit? And the Gemara explains what the Machlekes here is. Tanid idon sovar. So now the Tana of our Mishnah holds that he's not able to take a haircut in Chalamayit. It's like he's still continuing to work in his time that he has to work in the Beis HaMikdash. Why? Because Kiv and Ditnan, we learned in the Mishnah, it says, B'shloyzeh prakim b'shanah, there are three time periods of the year, ha'yukala mishmaris shavis. All of the mishmaris of the Kainan were equal, that they would all come to serve in the Beis HaMikdash. Be'imurei and they get parts of the karbonus of the Yomim Toivim, u'bichiluk lechem aponim, and they all get a part of the lechem aponim. So therefore, since on the Yantif, all the Mishmaris can come and work, So therefore, it's like he did not finish yet his Mishma. He didn't finish yet his time of working in the Beis Mikdash, so he's not allowed to take a haircut through the whole Chalamayid. It's like he's still on his position working, and during your Mishma, you're not supposed to take a haircut. The town of Berosovar, but the town of the Braise says, Afogav the Shaykh Bahanach Mishmarais. Yes, it's true that on the Yantif he continues to work together with all the other Kayanim that work on Yantif, but Mishmarte Miyashlimale. But his individual Mishmar with his family or with his group, that did complete already on the third day of the Yamtiv. And now when it comes to his Mishmar is over, so he's able to take a haircut on Chalamayid. And he couldn't before Chalamayid. He couldn't before Yantiv because he was in his Mishmar. So therefore he's allowed on Chalamayid. All those that we said that are allowed to take care of because they couldn't take before. So similar also, a person that becomes an oval and he did not have an opportunity, he was an oinus, he couldn't take the haircut before, is also allowed to take a haircut while he's an oval. And advice to be learned that it's asr. If you become an oval and you were an oinus before, you're not allowed to take a haircut while you're an oval. So he answered, when it says here in the Braise, that in the Oval, in the Avelos, if it was an Oynis before, you're allowed to take a haircut in the Avelos, that it's allowed, when you have one Avelos after the next, when you have two, one after the next, then you're allowed to take a haircut when there was an Oynis before. If the situation is that a person in Islam has one relative and another relative that passes away, so why is it only in this situation when an oinus happened, like it said in the Mishnah, then you could take a haircut in your avelus? Anybody, once you have one avelus after the next, anybody can go and take a haircut in the second avelus. The Tanya, as we learned in Abraai, said, Tachfu Avelov, When you have an Avelov that comes one after the next, Hichbit Sara, and your hair is very heavy, Mekel Betar, you can lighten your hair with a razor, or Mechabes Ksusi Bemaim, and you can wash your clothing in water. So the Gemara answers, no, but it's not, not fully. You can't take a regular haircut because you could only take a haircut with a razor, but you can't use the scissors. You can wash your clothing in water, but you can't use any other soap or any other detergents for your clothing. So over here, the Chiddush is that if, what, if there was an anus, you could take a regular haircut and wash your clothing regularly. From here we see that an oval is not allowed to wash his clothing during his availus.